0: Hi, I'm Tony. I'm Patrick, and welcome back again to another episode of uh, Cave to the Cross Apologetics. And we are working our way through Greg Koko's book, Tactics: A Game Plan for Discussing Your Christian Convictions. And so we have worked our way up to chapter 12. We've looked at the first section that dealt with this whole idea of the Columbo tactic, right, where we're asking questions and, and helping people work through issues. And now he's going through some kind of real practical, uh, you know, uh, stuff to um, to help folks, to, to, to help us to see and find flaws in other folks' thinking mm-hmm. is really what he's getting at here. And so uh, this first uh, couple of chapters here has to do with uh, the idea of contradictions, right? And he says this obviously is one of the biggest flaws, and if we can point this out, you know, the uh, the person we can help them to see that their argument is, is kind of sinking, right? Or isn't isn't a good argument? So in the in previous chapter, uh, chapter eleven, we've looked we looked at a couple of versions of this, and now we want to look at uh, two more versions of uh, this notion of contradiction. He calls them sibling rivalry and infanticide, right? So uh, he says, um, you know. Um, Sometimes a conflict arises when a person raises two objections that are at odds with each other, right? Two objections that are at odds with each other. And um, he he calls this sibling rivalry right? And he thinks it's pretty easy to spot when, when people do these kinds of things, right? And at other times, someone's view is built on a prior concept that turns out to disqualify the view itself. Yeah. And he calls this infanticide, right? So we'll kind of take a look at these uh, uh, these two notions and see if we can understand exactly what he's getting at here. This is kind of some complicated stuff. So we'll kind of take our time as we work, work through this. So right. the, the first notion here has to do with sibling rivalry, right? What in the world is sibling rivalry rivalry? Well he says on occasion occasionally in conversations you notice something odd. You hear a pair of objections voiced by the same person, but the complaints are logically inconsistent with each other, right? So, here's two objections, but they kind of, uh, they defeat one another. One defeats, um, uh, so they're logically inconsistent with each other. He says, this is kind of like children fighting, right? (laughs) And so, that's the notion of sibling rivalry. Both um, objections cannot be simultaneously legitimate, right? And so, your task here is to cut the deal in half, right? right? Whose toy is this? It's mine. No, it's mine. (laughs) Okay. All right. He said a fair-minded person will surrender at least one of these objections, right, when you identify the problem, graciously point out the conflict, then ask which one is the real problem, right? right? And sometimes this move uh, effectively silences both objections because the person that you're talking with realizes that, uh, you know, she's been unreasonable, right? So, you know, for instance, he gives an example here. Uh, if homosexuality is morally neutral because it's natural. So notice what makes homosexual OK. Well, because it's, it's natural. So it's morally neutral. Mm-hmm. Then adoption of children by same sex couples must be wrong. Why? Well, b- because for homosexuals, parenthood would be unnatural. So if something is natural, makes it okay. Then what's unnatural makes it wrong. And since not being able, not having children, right? They can't have children. Would be uh, is 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 uh, is, nat- is a natural state for homosexuals. Mm-hmm. And so to give them children would be unnatural. So that's kind of the idea here, right? In other words, if nature dictates morality. And the natural consequence for homosexuals is to be childless. Then it's unnatural and therefore immoral for homosexuals to raise children. Now, notice the idea here is based on the uh, uh, on the concept of what makes something uh, moral or immoral, and he's and it's based on nature here or a natural state, right. right? And so, wow, right? And so he gives several examples like this to help us to to see. Um, You know, the sibling rivalry, these two conflicting uh, arguments and Mm -hmm. you can't have it both ways. Right.
1: Right. Right. And so he he goes on to uh, uh, give us these examples. And and a lot of times he's using uh, kind of moral claims. And again, uh, we we said uh, last episode that uh, it's it. If, if you kind of are looking at this from a science perspective or a reason or logic, it may be a little bit harder because you might have to have a little bit more knowledge in, in those areas. Uh, but the, the, the problem of evil or um, morality um, is one that we, I think, um, especially in our culture, um, tend to talk about the most, and especially when it comes to uh, topics like religion. I think more people are, are, are willing to talk about kind of um, the, the moral claims rather than, you know, does, does A follow for, or, you know, does B follow from A or does the conclusions follow the, the premise or yeah. are the uh, premise sound or are they logical? Um, and so uh, um, Greg Hochul here gives a lot of examples uh, uh, in this chapter from the moral uh, claim or the problem of evil um, that we talk about here. And so one of them is, uh, is called uh, Is Gandhi in Heaven? Wow! Yeah, Uh, and so kind of to set the scene, he's he's talking to a Hindu uh, person who wants to say that uh, you know uh, heaven would be a very poor place without Gandhi in it because Gandhi's uh, you know this national figure. Um, He did a lot of important things, a lot of bad things too, but you know no one really wants to talk about those. And so kind of going into this um, Hindu theology and Hindu philosophy. Evil and good exist as dual poles. If uh, there, there is no evil, it is impossible to have good. Each must balance the other uh, the other out. So that's uh, kind of what to know going in here. Mm-hmm. And so he says, well, sir, uh, you must at least believe in heaven then, and apparently you've done some thinking about it. Good. Uh, what would qualify someone for heaven? Tell me what kind of people go to heaven. Well, then the response is, well, only good people go to heaven. <laughs> okay, so far so good. Uh, <laughs> but this idea of what is good uh, what makes a, a person good is very unclear to me. What is good? uh Oh, mm-hmm. now the Hindu is in trouble. Right. right. So, the Hindu is 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 not moral is in not a neutral ground. He's going to revert back to his prior beliefs, and so he's going to say, "Well, good and bad are relative. There's no clear definition." Wow. Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. Well, here we go. Here's 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 the light bulbs flashing. Here's you know uh, you. You where? Where do you want to pick up from? Um, uh, asking people to define what is good, what is evil, uh, tends to be one of those um, hot button issues that um, you can really jump on. Um, and again, you're asking them to provide uh, a an answer uh, from from their point of view, and 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 so the, the the burden of proof rests on them, as we talked about in in the Colombo tactic. So if if uh, the If this is true, that good and bad are relative, then there's no clear definition, then goodness is relative and can't be defined. How is it that you assume Gandhi is good and should be in heaven? Mm -hmm. So either Gandhi fulfills some external standard of goodness, thus qualifying for heaven, or goodness is relative and therefore a meaningless term when applied to anyone, including Gandhi both cannot be true at the same time so you're making two uh
0: contradictory claims right there, right then these two siblings then are fighting each other right,
1: right? <laughs> so it, it's it's uh it's trying to um kind of dip its toe it, it's it's speaking um outside of of uh, claims against itself. So yeah, that's
0: yeah. what it's doing. Yeah, good. Another example he gives uh, has to do with this movie, The Quarrel. Now, I haven't seen this mm-hmm. movie, uh, but it looks like
1: it might be a good one. It's to, uh, to, uh, people talking. I'm, I enjoy <laughs> pe- uh, movies about people talking. Yeah. Uh, so
0: he says, I encountered a clear example of sibling rivalry after an airing of The Quarrel, a film that uh, explored the problem of God and the Holocaust. Uh, it was produced by David Brandes. Um And uh, he was asked to moderate a discussion, right, about this movie. And so he says, from one side of the auditorium, a Jewish woman offered the idea that maybe God allowed the Holocaust as a punishment for Israel's wayward drift into secularism. Some Jewish thinkers have raised, he says, um, this possibility in the light of promised cures or curses, rather, for apostasy recorded in Deuteronomy
1: 28. And within the history of, the, of of the Israelite people, we've seen that with uh, Babylon and uh, the Assyrians. I mean, right. that's that's exactly what what happened. Not to. Like this extent in this certain way, but removing them from the land, uh, the, the declaration of a remnant uh, um, um, uh, coming back and and renewing the land. I mm-hmm. mean, that's that's right. uh, that's standard uh, Jewish history, right there. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so this uh, maybe God allowed the Holocaust as a punishment for Israel's wayward drift into secularism. He says um, um, uh, this reflection prompted a sarcastic. Well, that's a real loving God from the other side of the theater, right? And so he says that I call attention to the conflict suggested by the second um, comment. Those who are quick to object that God isn't doing enough about evil in the world, right? A good God wouldn't let that happen, are often quickly, uh, uh, equally quick to complain when God puts his foot <laughs> down. A loving God would never deliver judgment. Right. So God needs to punish, but a loving God wouldn't punish. Those are two contradictory notions. Right. So if God appears indifferent to wickedness, his goodness is challenged. Yet if he acts to punish sin, his love is in question. Right. Right. So these objections compete with each other in most cases. And he says this is an example of sibling rivalry. One or the other needs to be surrendered. Both can't be held simultaneously Mm -hmm. right so you need one or the other and then we can go from there right (laughs) Right. so which one are you do you want right Right. so you kind of you kind of again you point this this stuff out by graciously um, you know asking a question what's your real concern here Mm -hmm. right
1: and last time we talked about uh, the the issue with moral relativists and moral relativists have this kind of understanding that uh, uh, objective moral uh, truth uh, doesn't really exist and that Uh, kind of what's true for me is true for me and what's true for you is true for you and if those two kind of compete against each other well then you're just in competition and you have to figure out some way of i don't know interacting or uh you know a utilitarian point of view or 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 it's okay you know if
0: if you if that's morally right for you then you know that's fine that's just morally right for you it's
1: okay for me to punch you in the nose (laughs) and you take it okay uh so uh rivalry is a type of uh, self-destruction for moral re- relativists when they commit, when they object to the problem of evil. So mm. what's this problem of evil? Well, the theodicy the is, uh, you know, uh, how, how do we deal with evil in the world if there's this uh, good God that uh, um, supposedly is out there? And, um, you know, it, how, how can you allow such evil and suffering and, yeah. and bad things to occur? Mm. Uh, well, there's a lot of good points to that and um, um, some books being written by an uh, uh, author of... of uh, that, uh Scott Christensen, who was uh, on our show previously. He's uh, finished up a book on uh, just the subject alone. So hopefully we'll have him back on when he's uh, ready to release the book. Uh, so he has a, a conversation with uh, a, a person at a restaurant. And at first he talked like a relevant. Everyone uh, has his own morality. Right and wrong is a private affair. Who's to judge? And he says as our conversation ranged over, over other topics, though. The problem of evil came up. How could a God exist when there's so much evil and suffering in the world? <laughs> so he says, I want you to know something about the problem of evil. The entire objection hinges on the observation that evil exists out there mm. as an objective feature of the universe. Mm. And this is a serious problem for relativists. So, according to relativism, when someone uses the word evil, he's expressing a personal preference, right. though. So,
0: it's in there. Yeah. It's the individual. So, which right. one is it? Is yeah. it out
1: there or is it in here? Right. Is uh. it
0: objective or is it subject? Right. Right.
1: So, strictly speaking, the person is not talking about uh, what they, they're they actually talking about. The, the relativist is talking about himself. So, you know, it, it's... if if you're referencing something that that's out there, uh, what the moral relativist is, should be doing is referencing internally. So right, right. Uh, to me, it's, it's wrong. Right. Right.
0: You can't say it's just yeah, wrong. It's wrong right, right. out
1: there. It's just it's objectively
0: just, uh, wrong. Yeah. It's objective. It's wrong, independent of what anybody thinks. You can't hold that as a moral relativist, right? right? Because the moral relativist says it's me. Right. I determine what is morally right and wrong. Not, it's not out there.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. So if relativism were true, uh, talk of evil as an objection to God's existence would be nonsense. The complaint would mean nothing more than if God were really good, he wouldn't allow things that I don't like. Right. And you see a lot of people arguing with this. Well, you know, if, if God is real, he wouldn't do this. He wouldn't make the giraffe with this ty- type of, of internal <laughs> blood thing like uh, 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 Dawkins wants to do. Well, okay, (laughs) Uh, sure. Well, you be God and then you can make the giraffe however you want to. (laughs) Uh, There's a quote here he has from C.S. Lewis that says, uh, of course, uh, he summed it up this way. Of course, I could have given up my idea of justice by saying it was nothing but a private idea of my own relativism. But if I did that, then my argument against God would collapse too. The argument depended on saying that the world was really unjust, not simply that it did not happen to please my private fancies. Right. And so when when we talk about things like justice and truth and goodness and badness, uh, you know, we tend to ultimately appeal to things out there. So someone should be punished for this. Well, well why? First, we got to go to that person and see if it's wrong for them. Then if they allow themselves to be punished for it then we can ask them to, to allow us to punish them for it right that, that's that's what we should do. But no we talk about things like you know murder and rape and, and torture and, and all those those different examples that that uh, come upon, Us when we're talking about uh, moral claims, we talk about things like, well, how do we establish justice? You know, uh, in in what way do we render justice here on Earth in this time? We talk about justice reform, and we talk about all these things that have to do with prison systems and uh, different modes of punishment and how it's changed over time. And so there, it's 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 uh, kind of appealing to a standard by not just might makes right, but we're appealing to. A a form of natural justice, Mm -hmm. uh, justice that exists out in the world that we're trying to define and bring in and secularly within the scope of, of the law. We're trying to discover capital L, the law. Right.
0: And, of course, uh, the moral relativist can't hold the position, right. doesn't hold the position that it's out there. Right. Any values are out there. Yeah. They're all
1: in here. Right, right. the lowercase l. So <laughs> there's right. the, where the sibling rivalry comes in, into play. The capital L, the law, is out there, and we're trying to discover it. Uh, but really, lowercase l, law, is within each of us, and so we should discover what, what fits our fancy. And mm-hmm. so when you mm-hmm. we, we talk about things like justice— and, and we have a sense of that person should be punished. We were, we're holding incongruent views there. And so which one wins out right, and that's right. what we want to ask. That's, that's where our Columbo questions gets that person to ultimately say, you know, you know, am, am I a, a seven foot two Asian female that is six <laughs> years old? And uh, you've seen that a lot on uh, campus reforms uh, videos and where they go out to college campuses and ask those questions and say, you know, can I believe this? Well, you know, you can believe it if you want to. Okay. But am I, is it truthful? Well, it's true for me. And so that yeah. that's where it starts kind of spiraling down and, and you see that, and there are legitimate, uh, repercussions that happen from holding these viewpoints. And so within the scope of our, our determination of, of, uh, you know, faith and, and, uh, truth about, uh, religious claims, um, asking these questions is, is, uh, where we're going to kind of get the most bang for our buck and, wow. and, um, um, uh, it's, it, I mean, it's going to come up, and so this is a, a, a kind of a proper way to deal with it, again, so that no one gets angry. You're, you're pointing out flaws within the person's uh, point of view that they're bringing to you, and you're having a dialogue rather than a monologue. So mm-hmm. that's that's what we're doing here.
0: And so he says here, to say that something is evil is to say that it's not the way that it's supposed to be, <laughs> right? So there's a standard is really what he's getting at here. So he says this makes no sense unless there, unless things are supposed to be uh, different, right? Or there is a way that things are supposed to be, right? Yet this is what the relativist denies. There isn't a way, universally, objectively, that things, uh, morally speaking, that, that the way things are supposed to be, right? They're what each individual. Uh, believes that they are in terms of morality, yeah. and so th- the problem here then is that when you make these types of claims, you know, God is is uh, why you know God is evil. Basically, is what you're saying, right? Why would a loving God do this kind of thing? If you're more relativist, morality is subjective, but you're trying to make evil another value objective. And so now you have uh, you have these two siblings right. <laughs> at rivalry, right? They're fighting each other, right? So either it's objective or it's subjective, but it can't be both, mm-hmm. right? That's the idea. Morality is either objective or it's subjective; can't be both. It's huge problems, as we pointed out last time, with morality being subjective, right? It's only what I think, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> uh, and so you know, uh, but it can't be both. It can't be subjective and objective. And so you need to point this out and ask people what do they really mean right it's subjective
1: and that's just the way things are
0: yeah okay (laughs) then you can't say that anybody's action even god's are evil right right Right. they may be evil to you but that's your opinion yeah right
1: god has more might so he's he's more right there (laughs) you go yeah (laughs) uh so then we turn to uh the the second uh portion here of uh of self-destruction um so this is the kind of the fourth form, uh, but the second one within this chapter, and mm-hmm. he uh, terms it infanticide. And I mm. think he's using these terms so that it'll stick in your mind. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, uh, at, at times, uh, someone's view is built on an, uh, a prior concept that turns out to disqualify the view itself. This is called infanticide. And so he um, kind of gives us this uh, illustration to, to kind of... Uh, um, you know, uh, pull, it, pull it forward. So sometimes objection is dependent on a prior notion that must be in place before the challenge is offered. And so it's like saying that uh, a, f- a father sends a son a letter that says, son, if you <laughs> didn't get this letter, please let me know and I'll send another. I made a copy. So, okay. How's the son supposed to reply to that if you never received it? Yeah. you know, uh, or you know, uh, uh, you go to class and the substitute comes in and says, "Okay, uh, raise your hand if you're not here." <laughs> okay, hold on. <laughs> so sometimes the objection, the child, right, the child who gets the letter, is dependent on a prior no- notion, the parent that must be in place for the challenge to be offered. Yeah. and so um, uh, that's what uh, we're going to be covering here.
0: All right. So this and so again, this one is kind of uh, you know you got to think this one. Uh, Through, right? (laughs) I mean, you have these. uh, um, So one claim is based on another, and if the claim defeats the one it's based on, um, or I'm sorry, just the opposite, right? One claim is the basis of a claim, the other of another claim. And so if the basis defeats the claim that you're making, you've killed off the, the uh, child claim that's right. based on the other claim right, right? and so he calls this uh, infanticide so he's he's going to give us several um, you know examples here to help us to to um, uh, to, uh, to understand what's going on here um, for instance uh, he talks about um, um, Bowling. Let's talk. We'll, we'll look at that one first, right? He says, uh, most powerful example of infanticide that I know has to do with the problem of evil. But before we get there, uh, we'll look at the complaint. Uh, we'll look at this question with regard to uh, to bowling. Is that what he does first here, I think? Mm-hmm. Or does he jump yeah. right in, in there?
1: So he, he talks about how... Um, Knowing the difference between a mediocre and a, a masterful score right. in bowling is is important. And so, um, you know, if, if, if someone says that uh, the person who knocks down the most pins wins, it's, it, it's not really how it's done. It's the score that counts. Mm-hmm. Right. But mm-hmm. so you have to kind of understand that it's not how the ball spins or uh, what, what clothes you're wearing. It's the number of pins that get, get knocked down. And so to understand that, 300 is kind of the 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 masterful score that every pin has to be knocked down in every frame if if but if you're a golfer one stroke per hole is is what makes you masterful and so understanding those kind of competing um, uh, not competing the, the, the those rules uh, understand you you then understand what it means to be good
0: right and so what he's getting at here is there must be a standard right. you have to have a standard in bowling Uh, The standard, the best you can do is 300. Right. And golf... Uh, you know, yeah. it's, <laughs>
1: you right. know, having 300 is a bad score. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. or, uh, yeah. So
0: so that's what he's getting at with regard to this bowling illustration. Right. So, you so you first have of to all, understand says, the rules. Yeah. You right. have to understand the rules and you have to have a standard in order to say something is good or bad. You need a standard to determine that. Right. Right. That's the basic idea here. Right. And so he says the most powerful example of infanticide has to do with the problem of evil. Mm-hmm. First question the atheist must answer is What do you mean by evil? Right. What do you mean by evil? So
1: typically, if if you're talking about uh, uh, with somebody, they might say something like, well, you know, God can't exist because there's all this evil in the world. Or um, God can't exist because he would be the most evil person in the entire world to um, flood the earth.
0: Right. Right. Okay.
1: Hold on. We we, we skip to the child. We need the parent definition first to to understand where we're coming from when we judge God's existence based on evil. Right. What is evil. Right,
0: so you need the standard. That's the that's the parent, right? In order to to have the child, right? Right.
1: And what so, are the rules? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and so the atheist impulse is to give examples of evil: murder, torture, oppression. That's what evil. No, right, no, right. no. That misses the point. Right. Um, why call these things evil to begin with? Why are these things evil, right? We must first know what evil is before we can point to examples of it. Mm -hmm. So you don't let them get away with giving you examples. You want to know, okay, well, why is that evil? Right. right? Again, we're looking for the standard,
1: right? Uh, So the atheist first must answer the question, where does the moral scoring system, like we talked about in bowling or golf, where does the moral scoring system come from that allows one to identify evil in the first place? So again, what is evil? Is it out there? you know, that we talked about with moral relativism, uh, uh, you know, is it, is it out there? And, and so there's an objective standard that's independent from humanity or is it internal? And so what do you, what do you mean by calling someone else evil? Like that's just your personal preference. Right. So, so what do you mean by (laughs) that's evil? I like,
0: I like chocolate. You like vanilla. Somebody else likes strawberry. Okay, fine. You know, (laughs) I like people.
1: You don't like people. That's fine. We should be all fine with that. Right. (laughs) Where's the transcendent standard, you know, that, that that's above us of objective good that makes the whole notion of evil intelligible. So th- there again, it's not just evils out there, but also good is out there. So to, to, to even claim that there is no good, there's only evil. Uh, well, if something's, uh, you know, uh, if, if something is evil, is there uh, then objectively something that's good? Are moral laws that uh, are are they are they product of chance? You know, did they just kind of come come up in in the world and, and, uh, you know, (laughs) water is wet and murder is wrong? If so, why why obey them? You know, you can always you can always go against moral claims. Right. People murder people. So clearly there's no, you know, uh, I don't believe in gravity. No, I'm still I'm still here. I'm not floating (laughs) around. But I can say I don't believe in. Uh, that murder is evil and go out and murder somebody or murder of that person in the circumstance.
0: Right. In other words... Who establishes uh, how things are supposed to be, right? For the moral relativists, uh, it's each individual. So what you're trying to do then is press this on the atheist, right? Where do you get your stand? This is really a presuppositional
1: argument. Absolutely. The Big Bang occurred, and uh, murder being wrong swirls out there at the, the speed of light and comes to rest within the scope of the entire universe except for behind Jupiter, right? So we can go murder people behind Jupiter. (laughs) <laughs> oh, or is it all universal? Well, if it's all universal, where is it? Can you show it to me? Can I can I test it? Does the science allow me to, to to see that murder is evil, or is it just a claim? And so, it's not really evil; it's just personal preference that I have against it. And so, I can get into uh, groups of people that also view it as, as such, and we can uh, have the most pointy sticks, and whoever has the most pointy sticks, you know, we we don't want uh, uh, people to murder people, or else we'll murder them. So. All right. Therefore, it's okay for us to murder people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so there seems to be no good way to account for a transcendent objective standard of good, right? The moral rules that are violated by people who commit evil in question without the existence of a transcendent Moral rule maker, mm-hmm. right? And so that's what he's really getting at here, right? You right. have to have something that's transcendent, that is that transcends each individual perspective, that's independent of each individual perspective, in order to have a particular standard that's that's more than just each individual perspective,
1: right? Right. right. So going back to the the bullying example, we have to know that the rules have been written by somebody or something. Mm-hmm. I guess <laughs> B- <laughs> B- bowling just came about through natural selection, <laughs> and so you know maybe knocking down all the pins is is, is incorrect. Maybe two ninety nine is is the score to get. You know you're that masterful that that you leave everything but one pin up. That yeah. that's that's what a true master would do. <laughs> Not knocking things down is easy, right? Yeah, I mean you know bombs do that, but to leave one up, that's the good one. Well, how how do you know that you you have to understand that there's kind of the rules in place and where do we, how do we understand those rules? Well, obviously the Bible talks about those right, things. And yeah. we, so we can bring that into the conversation when we talk to people. So if someone says, well, where do you think evil comes from? Yes, we're yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. We're there. Yeah. All right. What? So notice if there's <laughs> nothing
0: uh, in the universe that's higher than human beings. Then obviously uh, what's morality, right?
1: right? So it's a matter evil. of opinion. Really yeah. is what it is, right? Yeah. So to say something is evil—that's the the child claim. But if you say there's 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 what I mean by evil is personal preference. Well, then you, you've just you've infanticide, You've you've killed the the child. You've killed that initial question. Right. So you've you've gotten at the base, and so like Tony was saying, these are, are presuppositions, what what we what we hold prior to our understanding of certain things. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, now, now we, we need to say it at this point, because we're going to get a thousand objections, right? Well, of course. There are uh, various ways that atheists attempt to get around mm-hmm. this issue. And if you refer to uh, Mitch Stokes' books, mm-hmm. he deals with most of these, uh, actually the most important ones, right? Right. And so we, we won't take the time to go into that, but I refer you to, his right. book was... Um, um, how to be an atheist. How to be an atheist, right. right. Yeah. So, so go take a look at that and even look at our series of uh, walking through that book and he'll deal with these other objections mm-hmm. that they have. But the basic idea here is that a morally perfect God is the only adequate standard for the system of scoring, right? That's, that's the basic idea. And, and if we're going to
1: make sense of evil. Right. And so ironically then evil d- does not prove atheism. Right. In fact, it proves just the opposite. There can only be a problem of evil if God exists. Right. so to say this isn't how it should be, ooh should oughts and shoulds those are those are the uh, the 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 um, the warning signals that yeah. Nancy Piercy talks about too Oughts yeah. and shoulds can't have those in in uh, a um, in a subjective universe uh t- so this is the way that it shouldn't be so that means that there's a way that it should be. well, how do we get to the should is there other th- shoulds? Is there other aughts? Is, is and then who, who provided for those? Does the universe just pop them into existence? Can they pop out of existence? <laughs> Another thing that uh, that Mitch Stokes talked about too. Yeah. So let's see how, how all these books are working together. Weird. <laughs> uh, so since uh, God must exist to make uh, evil intelligible, right, to, to understand even what evil is, uh, uh, God must exist. Evil cannot be evidence against God. Right. A complaint commits infanticide. Now you could probably say I hate God for those things, right? That that's what you do, um, um, but to to say He doesn't exist because of them, it, it, that doesn't follow. Right, right,
0: good. Yeah, and so using infanticide, we see the notion of um, of morality with its corresponding concept of evil. Uh, rest upon the prior foundation of God's existence, right? So you got to have that foundation. That's the parent, in order to even uh, come up with a standard to determine good or evil. And if you don't have the foundation, then the you kill off the the child of the of the of the notion of what is right. good and evil. God exists seems to be necessary in order for any conversation about evil to be coherent. Thus, it's. Uh, um, It can never be used to refute God. The problem of evil, he suggests here, because without God, the objection would have no meaning, Mm. right? Uh, Because there is no standard, so there is no meaning of right and wrong in this situation. So how could you say anything is evil? Right. right? What do you mean
1: by evil? Right. (laughs) Right. So that's again, that's where the 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 um, second uh, proposition. Uh, gets killed by the by the initial one
0: so so the objection here and and i want you to deal with this because he deals with this right here is uh so are you saying then that atheists can't behave right. good right right what do you
1: mean by that <laughs> <laughs> right. right so sometimes and i i really only heard this from the other side so I've, I've never actually heard a christian espouse this but i'm, I'm sure it's happened right uh you, you, Probably think of, of someone that's like, oh, uh, I don't. I, I would never trust an atheist to be in office because they cannot be moral. Yeah, yeah. Okay, if 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 you define, <laughs> if you can say that morality is subjective, and you talk about that, oh, okay, I, I may be able to buy that logic. But what this does not mean is it doesn't mean that an atheist cannot behave morally. Right. The issue is whether he can make sense of morality in the universe, whether there's a, a grounding for it. And so, um, uh, this isn't, this isn't to say that, um, so this
0: is a foundational issue. This is what, uh, this isn't
1: a behavioral issue. This is, where do I get the foundation right. for it, right? So he says here, gravity still works even when people have no explanation for why it works, yeah. right? Even before we came up with the concept of gravity, it still pertained to us. <laughs> and, and so, and again, the, the Bible talks about uh, the law being written on our heart. Why do we act morally? Why, why do we have a sense of, of uh, a concept of right and wrong or of justice or uh, wanting to find improvement? Well, it's not just for the sake of doing it. It's uh, because it, it's been uh, bestowed upon us as image bearers of God that that we do those things, yeah. and so it doesn't mean that uh, atheists, those who don't believe in God, um, can't make sense. In fact, uh, can't, the, act morally, right, right. can't act morally. It can't act morally. In fact, the the, the the Christian worldview explains that, so it, yeah. it has explanatory power. Yeah. And so, uh, if if we have a kind of a universal sense of right and wrong, atheist doesn't really have that that claim. It has no grounding. That's where, that's where the issue of the grounding problem comes into play. Atheism is a physicalist system that does not have the resource to explain a universe thick with non physical things like moral obligations, numbers, uh, the, the laws of logic. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, th- that our, our words produce. Uh, 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 Claims, you know, uh, you're safe or uh, <laughs> I now pronounce you man and wife. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. Those, those yeah. are non-physical things. You know, yeah. that, that's yeah, where, what? that's where kind yeah. of the, the scientism comes created
0: in. a marriage out of nothing. Yeah. Poof. Right. Look at that. <laughs>
1: I'm the Big Bang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So so where do we go with this? right? What's the tactical goal of uh, this this particular uh, issue with regard to these uh, self-contradictory uh, notions and statements? He says, what we want to do is to to show the person that there is a fatal inconsistency in his or her beliefs, and that uh, he or she would correct it if he really understood it, right? That's really what we're trying to say, That's the goal. We're saying, you know, there's some inconsistency here, and and so let me help you to see that because, you know, so that you can correct that, right? Furthermore, the contradiction suggests that deep down, notice the person really doesn't believe everything that they say they believe because they can't believe both of these things, Right. Uh, and, and be coherent, right? right? Uh, and so they have to believe at least one, so they don't believe everything that they're saying they believe. So, for example, when he says there's no truth, he actually believes that there is some truth, right? There mm-hmm. has to be some truth, all right, in order to say that, right? But it is doubtful about um, uh, others, right? Uh, probably the one that you're talking with him about, right? So he believes <laughs> some truth, but it's
1: doubtful about other truths, right? Right. So we can see here that the the self-destruction tactic is uh, not an end of uh, in and of, in of itself right there there's more that we want to get from the person or or take them with but it can be used as a bridge to further questions and so we talked about uh, some of those things so you know don't don't just leave them with uh, you know there's no uh, objective good or evil we we can talk about those things mm-hmm. and we can use kind of the columbo tactic to get there what kind of evidence is adequate to give us confidence that something is true under what circumstances might we legitimately oppose our morality on someone else? Mm -hmm. And those are questions that we ask, uh, you know, uh, for society too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there, there are ability to, or there's, there's uh, attempts to want to be um, consistent. And so uh, you kind of have different philosophies like Ayn Rand's objectivism. It attempts to pull from a natural law, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it just suppose, it doesn't say where the objective reality comes from. Um, it, it, it has uh, issues with there, but at least it's it's attempting to ground itself uh, in an objective reality. So uh, what kind of evidence is adequate to give us confidence that something is true? Under what circumstance might we legitimately impose our morality on, on someone else? Do those circumstances apply here?
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. So those are the... Those are the types of things that we try to work through with regard to this, these various uh, contradictory statements, right? This this uh, self-destruction um, that uh, statements like these and, and arguments like these have, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's what he's getting at here, especially in this second part with finding the flaws,
1: right? right? And I think, too, here, when it comes to internal critiques, uh, understanding kind of which one is which and being able to... Um, to cl- classify them within the scope of the conversation that you're in i don't think this is as important as just being aware of looking at what people are saying and trying to see if there are underlying claims that they're that they're presupposing or if they're holding to Views that are in contradiction to each other, and so I don't think you have to say like, oh, okay, this is more of a formal claim, or you know, this one's more practical. I, I think it's enough just to, you know, th- those are good to do within the, the scope of kind of practice and 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 getting a bunch of examples and right, trying to classify right. them. In other words, you don't need to be able to label right. them. Yeah, mine. you don't. You don't have to say, well, what you're actually doing is a practical <laughs> example. <laughs> of, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but. Having this internal critique, I think, is very important. Especially why? Because the burden of proof rests on them. They're trying to build a house in front of you, and so if they're um, uh, attempting to, to make a house with uh, walls but no foundation, then you're, you you want to point it out to them. You want right. to say, "Hey, w- hold on. Uh, I, I don't think you're you're doing this correctly. Right. L- let me let me ask you." If- what, what might you be missing here? You know, so uh, y- using those questions, dialoguing with them, not just saying, hey, you're doing it wrong, yeah. dummy. You know, might not be the best way to say, uh, also, I want to talk to you about a loving God that wants to have a personal yeah. relationship with you. <laughs>
0: dummy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll
1: gladly take that, that moniker uh, on. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be a, a fool to the, to the Greeks <laughs> <over> there. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, uh, continuing on next time. Uh, we're talking about uh, taking the roof off, which uh, yeah. uh, is apropos to uh, the house m- uh, motif here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, hopefully, you join us next time and uh, uh, let us know if you've uh, been enjoying the book. And uh, I've seen a few of you uh, pick it up. I, I know because I get <laughs> I get notifications for that yeah. stuff. So, uh, thanks for doing that. That's uh, appreciative. I'm sure Greg kokel likes that uh, that we're reading his book as well. And uh, um, ch- check out his stuff, Stand a Reason, and uh, you'll, you'll find a lot of good stuff over there as well. So thanks for uh, uh, continuing to like us and uh, watching us, listening to us, um, and um, uh, just uh, supporting us. Patreon.com slash Cave of the Cross uh, is always uh, appreciative. And uh, we thank You're you for
0: subscribing. Everything that you, that you do yeah. is helpful.
1: The, the, the things that we do, normal day life now. <laughs> All right, see, see you next, you next time. time.